All right. Um, I won't be long. I may just do a little bit of an introduction this morning about what the, I feel like the Lord is, is wanting me to share. But as I said uh, earlier, 3 John 2, for a few weeks now, and not because it's the new year, uh, but because I really feel like it's what the Lord is saying to us. And uh, I haven't ever been one to really give a theme for a new year or anything like that, but as I was praying this week and just saying, all right, God, we're in this school. We've been able to do some things financially to bless them, but uh, we haven't seen what we want to see or been able to do what we want to do. What does that look like? And the word that he kept bringing to me was right here. I'll read it out of the Amplified. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. In fact, I greatly rejoiced when some of the brethren from, the t- from time to time arrived and spoke so highly of your sincerity and fidelity, which means faithfulness of your life, as indeed you do live in the truth, the gospel, the, ho- the, the truth the whole gospel presents. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my spiritual children are living their lives in the truth. Man, that's good. You know, we, we quote verse 2 a lot, but I think it goes to, in context, this is what he's saying. Again, I'll read it. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. In fact, I greatly rejoiced when some of the brethren from time to time arrived and spoke so highly of the sincerity and fidelity of your life, as indeed you do live in the truth the whole gospel presents. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my spiritual children are living their lives in the truth. <clears throat> and this may sound a little cliche-ish, and I'm okay with that. You know, he's, as I said earlier, and I'll, I'll get to it a little more, the one thing that the Lord is continuing to show me, the more that I die to an old way of thinking, and, and I want to clarify that. I died with him, and I was resurrected with him, so I don't have to crucify myself afresh every day any more than Jesus does. But I do have to die to mindsets and beliefs that I've built in my life. Does that make sense? And as I have continued to press into that and just say, Lord, I want to be faithful <clears throat> that when you bring me into something that I, I, I'm faithful to die to that thing so I don't have to come back around that mountain again. And one of the things that I am in the process of putting to death is this thing of, well, I don't know if they'll think it's this or they'll think it's that. I even uh, alluded to it last week a little bit when I gave the words to the worship team, and I said, I know I may know about this and I may know about that. He said, it's not, he said, I didn't call you to justify yourself. I just called you to be obedient, if that makes sense. So when I was praying about 2019, and, <clears throat> and what I love about God is he doesn't have a calendar, He's outside of time, right? Man has a calendar, and, and uh, I'm thankful for that. We can do mental resets and things like that. But as, as I was praying about it, I felt like 2019, he said this to me, because this passage in 3 John just wouldn't leave me. He said, I want you blessed to be a blessing. Now, maybe you've heard that before, and then the pastor started giving all these scriptures on prosperity and how you need to have all this money and you need to do all these things, and is that bad? Not necessarily. Uh, uh, That's not where I'm going, though. I believe what the Lord is saying is, I want you to be blessed 
to where you're a blessing no matter where you are, what the situation is, that you're a blessing because you're living out of who you are, not just what you hold in your hand. Jesus is our perfect example of that. He came, and we can agree that Jesus was blessed, right? Okay, just a little bit of general consensus. We can believe and agree that Jesus was blessed and that he walked in that. So everywhere Jesus went, he was looking at an opportunity to bless. We see it in the heart and the, of the Father. And we can go back. I, I love Genesis because it's the book of beginnings. I, listen, uh, so as I was praying into this and the Lord just continued to, to reveal this to me, I said, okay, sh- show me a little more. Because I don't... Uh, I don't want to just spout it out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then, look at this, verse 28. Then God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the earth. So God said this to them. He created them. We know, and you go, as you continue reading, it goes into the creation in uh, chapter 2. But it says here in verse 28, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, which means this. If you're fruitful and you multiply, then you become a blessing. Right? He said, so in a sense, here's what God said to Adam and Eve once he created them. He said, be blessed to be a blessing. Through you, this world, the darkness outside of the garden, the the, uh, barrenness outside the garden is going to be overtaken because the blessing I put on you and on this place is going to carry out there. So that's his original intent and design, right? His original intent and design is that we were blessed and that we would bless wherever we went. So Adam and Eve messed it up. Nothing new. No new theology here. Nothing to trip over. Adam and Eve messed it up, but it didn't stop the plan of God. That's where I love, even just jumping ahead a little bit, I love where it says that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Because God, in his wisdom and his love for us. See, we can get caught up in, oh, it's because God's omniscient. You know why the lamb was slain before? Because of his love for you. If you see it as his pursuit of love for you versus, well, just because he knows everything, it'll change the way you see him completely. It's his pursuit that before the foundation of the world, he understood man, he understood humanity, he understood I gave them a choice, but he said, I love them so much, I'm going to make provision even for their mistakes. This is divine romance, his love for us. Genesis chapter 12, Adam and Eve mess it up, and he, he calls this man Abram. Chapter 12, verse 1, now the Lord said to uh, the Lord has said to Abraham, to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That sounds a little bit about like what he said to Adam and Eve, doesn't it? Yes, that's what it sounds like to me too. He said to get out of your country from your own family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. And you know, as I was reading that, not to liken me to Abraham, but I am his descendant. I've been grafted in. I'm a seed of Abraham, father Abraham. But as with us, even in this place, he said, you know, I knew, I didn't know. I'll just say this. I don't know where we're going next. I don't know when we're going next. But here's what I know. He said, this is where you're supposed to be right now. And I think within myself, why would we leave here when we haven't done what he's called us here to do? And that's to make a difference and an impact in this area. I believe our faithfulness in this school system will give us opportunity into the community, into the county, into this region, if we steward it well with what he's called us to do. But in order for us to do that, we've got to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. Again, does it have something to do with finances? Yes, but it, this is not a finance message. I'm not starting out January 2019 about getting everybody blessed and everybody's house paid off. Would I like for that to happen? Absolutely. Do I believe God can do it? Absolutely. But what I'm talking about is us understanding who we are, awakening to the identity that we have in Him. Because when we realize who we are in Him, we can make an impact no matter where we are. Whether it be in our school, our home. I am believing God that our homes really start looking different in 2019. I'm believing that every home that's attached to the river will look like Jesus. And when people walk in that home, they'll know there's something different about that home. Whether you open your Bible to them or not. If they walk in your dorm room, they'll know something's different about your dorm room. Not because you have scriptures plastered all over the place, but because you host and maintain the presence of the living God. You died in Him and you're resurrected in Him. So now you, in Him you live and move and have your being. So everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is there. And when we walk in that place, we won't have to broadcast who we are. They'll know. They'll be just like they looked at the disciples and said they recognized that they were ignorant, unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. <laughs> there are times I just go before the Lord and I go, God, there's so many people who are much smarter than me. They can do so much more. And he keeps saying, I'll take the foolish and confound the wise. And I say, okay, here's my yes. <laughs> here's my yes. Because I look and, and it's so easy. And, and Paul said in Corinthians not to do that. He said, they comparing themselves against themselves are not wise. Because I'm not called to be anybody in this room but me. And neither are you. <clears throat> and if we can, not if, I apologize, I repent. As we set our identity in the reality that I died with him and now I've resurrected in him. That the, that the life I live now, I live by the, the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I live from that place. <clears throat> I believe you'll do more accidentally than you could have ever done on purpose. I believe we'll live for Jesus and see more impact without trying to do a work or try to do a thing than we could have ever done just trying to be purposeful, intentional, and, and organized and planned. And 
I'll just tell you, any organization, any planning, it's her. It's not me. It's her. And, uh, and I'll just, I can't even say all that. There's more that she's wanted to do that I just haven't done. So, there you have it. It's about as real as I can get. But I believe there's a place for planning, organization, for intentionality. I believe that. But even more than that, there's a place, that place of that we lay down our ability and pick up who we are in him. Because the, tra- the, the exchange there is amazing. It doesn't discount. And you are who he chose to do what he's called you to do. I know that's deep, but there's a purpose and a plan on you that, that I can't do. Galatians 3 says this, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? <laughs> I'll keep going. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore <clears throat> know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So what made Abraham this man that God could bless and and cause to be a blessing to other people? It was just Abraham believing into what God said. Did you hear me? What qualified Abraham was his ability to believe into what God said already about him. See, when we hear a prophetic word, many times our, our responsibility in the hearing of that prophetic word is to believe into what God said, that we can see the way he sees. Even the words that came today, the, the, uh, the walls, the breakthrough, and I love what Courtney brought. It's so true. We can sit back and we can go, no, I'm good. And I think one of the most dangerous places to be is complacency, to feel like it's okay and I'm all right where I'm at. I, uh, one of the pastors I used to sit in, sit under, not sit in, sit under, uh, he would say this. He said, there's three types of deception. There's people deceived, there's devil deceived, and he said the worst type is self-deceived. And I thought, there's so much truth in that. You can be deceived by others, and that hurts. You can be deceived by the enemy, because he said he can appear as an angel of light and would deceive, if he could, the very elect. But the worst type of deception is self-deception because many times we, we, we're self-deceived. We don't see it. And if you're self-deceived, you won't hear it from anybody else. And I believe it takes the Lord to break through that. And I feel like that's what he was trying to say this morning, whether it be in complacency or wounding and injury, whatever it is. He's saying, I want you to prosper and be in hell even as your soul prospers. So our soul, our mind, will, and emotion has to be set on him. It has to be renewed to the reality that that old man, and I read it just last week, that old man, he died. And I'll, uh, <clears throat> so one of the passages that the Lord really had on my heart, and I'm, I'm trying to see how much I want to give. I don't want to rush, but <clears throat> when he kept saying, you'll be a blessing. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? I believe that we're here for a reason. You're, you're going to bless us to be a blessing. What does it look like in and I, I started in near the end of Mark chapter 10, but he had me back up to the beginning of Mark chapter 10. And I, and, uh, I want to read, because uh, 
I said this earlier, and, and I'm not trying to sound sp- spiritual or spooky. <laughs> but my passion as a leader in this body is not to, not anything but this one thing. I, I don't have to list a lot of what it's not. It's this one thing. That's to see Jesus and to hear what he's saying to us so that we can see and say what he's seeing and saying. Does that make sense? John 5, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. And my passion is I want to see Jesus. I think he's the greatest example. He's the exact, Hebrews 1 says, he's the exact representation of the father. So if I can look at Jesus and see how he responded and what he did. And, and so all of that in mind, as I'm praying about this, he takes me to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Mark 10, 13. This is the Passion Translation. The parents kept bringing their little children to Jesus so that he would lay hands on them and bless them. But the disciples kept rebuking and scolding the people for doing it. When Jesus saw what was happening, he became indignant with his disciples and said to them, Let all the children come to me and never hinder them. There's an exclamation point there. Right? So it wasn't like this. But the disciples, uh, the parents kept bringing the children to Jesus so they could lay hands on and bless them. But the disciples kept rebuking and scolding the people for doing it. When Jesus saw what was happening, he became indignant with his disciples and said to them, Let all the little children come to me and never hinder them. I'm about to go to sleep. That's not what it said. He said he was indignant. That's upset. You ever been indignant about something? Well, you go, I just can't believe, I can't tolerate this any longer. That's kind of where he was. He said, I can't tolerate this any longer, that they're forbidding the children to come to me. And here's what he said. Let all the children come to me and never hinder them. I believe that's what it sounded like. Because he is indignant. He wouldn't have been monotone. And he had a right to speak to them that way because he had invested quite a bit into them. Amen. Don't, don't you know that God's kingdom realm exists for such as these? Listen to the truth I speak. Whoever does not open their arms to receive God's kingdom like a teachable child will never enter it. Then he embraced each child and laying his hands on them, he lovingly blessed each one. And I'll stop there. It said Jesus embraced each child and laying his hands on them, he lovingly blessed each one. Jesus, our Savior, our example. In this same passage near the end, the same passage, and, and we'll, maybe we'll go there next week, he, he goes on to talk about to his disciples, uh, yeah, I've, I've just got to go there because it's amazing to me. He blessed the children. It was important to him to take time out of everything that was going on, as busy as they thought he must have been, because, you know, he's the savior of the world. He must have something more important to do than just touch a bunch of children. But Jesus said, no, if you don't come like one of these and receive the kingdom, you won't come in. Their tenderness, their trust. And it was important to him to stop what he was doing and bless them. So we keep going in this passage right here in the context of what's going on. The rich man comes to Jesus. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. But but, but back up just a little bit. 
Because the way he came to Jesus with this, he said, hey, teacher, not savior, not king, not Lord, but teacher, teach me something. So he hadn't placed Jesus in that position of authority as much as just a good teacher that everybody is respecting. And he said, what do I have to do? And he said, uh, obey these things. He said, I've done all of that. Jesus said, okay. He knew that he was rich, and he said, sell everything you've got and follow me. Is that the model Jesus told to everyone, sell everything you've got and follow me? No. It's the model he told this man because he knew who this man's God was, and it wasn't him. <clears throat> so that takes place. I'm not going to read through all of that. That takes us down to, uh, through verse 31. <clears throat> then verse 32. Jesus and his disciples were on the road at, that went up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was leading them forward. The disciples were filled with wonder and amazement at his bravery. You know what? That just stirred me up. Because if I died with him and I've resurrected with him and the life I now live, I live in him. That the, the disciples looked at Jesus and it said this. They were filled with wonder and amazement at his bravery. And I said, Jesus, there's still parts of me that has to die to that because... I don't see people looking at me with wonder and with bravery. Okay, maybe it'll hit you when you get home. <clears throat> we're supposed to look just like him. <clears throat> but listen, and those following along with him were very afraid. Isn't that amazing? You have the disciples who were walking closely with They were filled with wonder and amazement. And the others were just scared. Scared to and scared not to. Hmm. And I think there's many that way. They're just scared. They're scared not to be in, but they're scared to be in all the way. <laughs> yeah, boy. He said this. The 12, he pulled the 12 aside privately, and he said uh, the things that was going to happen. He said, I want you to know that we're going to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be handed over to the ruling priests and religious scholars, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit in his face, torture him, and kill him. But three days later, he will rise again. So they're on their way there. He knows why he's going, and he pulls them aside to tell them, here's exactly what's going to happen. <clears throat> you would think that in that moment that the presence of God just came, and they were just broken, and they just prayed with him and said, I just want to pray with you. We know that you came to do this, but it's hard on us, and we want to pray with you. Not tell you you can't do it, but we just want to be there to support you. You know what happens next? I'm amazed. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached Jesus and said, Teacher, will you do a favor for us? I have a favor to ask. He just told them where we're going, they're going to, they're going to mock me. They're going to spit in my face. They're going to crucify me and kill me. But three days later, I'm going to rise. <clears throat> He's saying, this is going to happen. Don't be shocked by it. But I have the victory. Right? That's what he's saying. And what did they respond? They said this. Jesus says, what do you want me to do? What is your ask wanting me to do? We want, you to, we want to sit next to you when you come into your glory. They said, one at your right hand and the other at your left. We want to sit with you when you come into your glory. So they had an understanding. So this wasn't just harebrained. Jesus just told them, right, I'm going to die, but I'll be resurrected on the third day. So what's their thinking? Hey, 
We need to get in with him now before all that happens so maybe we can get first place. Right? I'm not reading into it. I'm just reading it. That's what they said. Hey, do us a favor. Let us sit on your right and your left. And Jesus says this. You don't have a clue what you're asking for. Are you prepared to drink the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And are you able to uh, endure the baptism into death that I'm about to experience? They replied, yes, we are able. He said, you will certainly drink from the cup of my suffering and be immersed into my death. But to have you sit in the, in the uh, position of highest honor is not mine to decide. It's reserved for those whom grace has prepared them to have it. <clears throat> and in Romans 6, this is what I'll read. Um, wow. Let me keep reading. 41. Now, the other disciples heard this, and they became angry and began to criticize James and John. <laughs> I can understand that, right? Okay. Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule op oppressively over their subjects. But this is not the example you're to follow. You're to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. The path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. You know what Jesus said? You asked me for the two highest places of honor, but I'm telling you, the way you get there is you go low. You want the highest places of honor? Just be willing to serve whoever I put in front of you. You want to find out how dead you are? See who Jesus puts in front of you and says, can you serve them? Might be the boss who doesn't respect you. I'm going to meddle just a bit, then I'll stop. Might be the sibling or spouse that hasn't honored you like you think you should honor. Jesus said, if you'll be a bond slave, like a bond slave, and you'll just go down and you'll serve them with my love, not your self-righteousness, but my love, then I can raise you even higher. He said, if you want to go high, you go low. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this. It's real easy to find out how dead you are when someone touches something that you think didn't honor you, didn't respect you, and didn't do what you think they should have done. See, in 2019, I want us blessed to be a blessing. And for that to happen, we have to, one, know just how much he wants us blessed and what the, how that affects every area of our lives. And then... Those areas that, that come up, whether it be a wound, offense, whether it be complacency, whatever it is, we have to take that thing. And I think that's some of what Paul said when he said, I die daily. It wasn't that every day he had to go die because he was doing these grave sins. It's not that. It was every day a little bit more of that old way of thinking would manifest. And Paul said, no, nope, there's something there that has to die. So let me say this. Let's stand. When that happens, and I'll just be real with you <clears throat> my soul <laughs> that old way of thinking is not dead in every area I don't say that boastfully I say that transparently and the way, way that I know that is <clears throat> the Lord allows me to see things that still affect me in a way that they shouldn't 
But he's saying this, he does it in love when he says this, I'm not, I'm not showing you that to embarrass you or to disgrace you. I'm showing you that so that you can be free from it. And when we die to it, then it no longer has authority over us. And that's what Romans 6 that I was going to go to, it says that, that we, we, we were buried with him in the likeness of his death and we were resurrected with him. And so that sin, that we put to death this body of sin so that no longer has dominion over you because you're no longer under law but under grace. So he said you changed kingdoms and you changed the way things happen. So what that means is this, Romans 8, there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So when you mess up, when that thing comes up, you go, well, I thought it was dead, but it's not dead. He said, don't go over into condemnation. That's a trick of the enemy. But what you go into is you go, you know what? Thank you, God, that I was able to see that so that I can put it to death so that it won't do this again. And you just thank him that he's made you the righteousness of God in Christ, that, that my life that I live now, I live in him so that that thing will not have authority over me any longer. That's how we begin to walk in the blessing that he wants us to have. And I believe this. I believe that we will have the homes that our neighbors look into and they go, there's something different about that place. Our workplace, when we go in, they'll go, there's something different about that person. I don't know, I don't know what it is. And God will open doors and opportunity for us to share the gospel. Isn't that what he said in 3 John 2? He said that, he said that, I see that you're living your lives in the truth of the real gospel. And his gospel is a powerful gospel. And he'll show up every time. Amen. He will show up every time. So, Father, we love you and we thank you so much for the beauty of your word. God, I thank you for the prophetic words that came today. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we had <clears throat> to go through barriers and walls, that you are the God of breakthrough. And that, Lord, we have had an opportunity today for a divine exchange. What's old and worn out, what hasn't been working that we hold on to so much, we've had the opportunity to release that to you, to receive what you have for us. And God, for those who've been satisfied with where they are. God, I pray a, a holy dissatisfaction with our spiritual life would be something that drives us closer and closer to you. Not uh, condemns us, but says, I'm thankful for what I have, but I know there's more. I haven't uh, <clears throat> explored all the goodness, all the love, all the grace of God, and I desire to pull into that, uh, that you can pour into me. So, Father, I thank you for a mind shift that takes place in this place today. That it can truly be said of us as it was in 3 John 2. That we would prosper in our, in our bodies, in our finances, as our soul prospers. And that Lord, we would embrace the reality that you want to bless us, that we can be a blessing. So God, I thank you. And I bless today every person here who's walking in relationship with you. I bless, Father God, the fruit of their time with you. Even as the word says, and it, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So God, we've talked about the dying today. I thank you that the other side of the dying is that there's fruit that we could have never had holding on to that flower, even as Courtney said. So Father, I thank you for fruit in our lives, fruit in our pursuit of you. 
that Jesus, as we see you, we become like you. As Corinthians 3 says, we're transformed from glory to glory as we behold you. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity that we're going to have in this year to uh, have an impact in this school. I thank you. It's not a chance or coincidence that you put us in here. For all the work that it takes to set up and tear down, God, I thank you that it's not in vain, that there's some things that die in here every week, but you can bring fruit and bring life from it. And I thank you. Father, we bless you. We declare great are you, Lord, and great.